My name's Emily and I'm an osteopath and healthcare enthusiast working in the Midlands. I spend every week helping my patients reduce their aches and pains, move their bodies more and live the healthiest life possible. And now I want you to join the conversation. In this podcast, I'll be investigating the people and places around the Midlands that are on the same mission and ask them to share their knowledge to transform your health. There's no subject that's off topic. Nutrition, mental health, sleep and fitness, it's all here. This is the Healthy Midlands podcast. Right, I am so excited to be joined today by Sarah Maramutu from Mutuvation. Sarah is an online coach and personal trainer and she's come to talk to me today about hormonal health. Hello Sarah. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. So how long have you been a trainer for now, Sarah? Uh, So I've been training for three years now, about coming up to three and a half. Um, Yeah, a lot of online coaching and one-to-one. And how did you first get into it? Um, I started when I was at uni. So I started in my second year of uni. Uh, it started as a weight loss thing. I think a lot of women kind of go down that route, but then it became more of how I dealt with stress. So I was doing an art degree. Um, I did a lot of hours, long hours. Yeah. Um, and it helped me manage my anxiety around that time. So Amazing. So you kind of got into it initially for the way that you wanted to look, but found that the mindset behind training was what kind of kept you there. Yeah, definitely. I started off very much cardio, um, not really knowing too much about anything in terms of weights and things. And then as I went on, um, I invested in a few programs, learned a bit more there. And then it just became something that I was um, that I'd become so interested in that I was reading sort of outside Um and it Probably overtook spending more time on that than your art yeah, degree. Yeah, <laughs> than my degree. It overtook sort of my degree and uh, what I was interested in. So it went from there, really. Yeah, and I think that's a mistake that loads of women make, isn't it? When you first get to the gym, I think a typical trajectory for for especially like women around our age, kind of in their twenties and thirties, you would have fallen out of exercise after PE at school. Um, And then you get back into it maybe in your very early 20s in a gym environment. And I mean, typically you would go to the gym, spend 45 minutes on the cross trainer and then leave and do that maybe three times a week and call that a fitness program. Yeah. And I found that um, like talking of PE and things like when I was in school, I was actually in the bottom set for PE. Yeah, and you I, and me both. Yeah, I really, I really didn't like it. I think my teachers would be surprised of what I do now. I literally was just talking in a, a few episodes ago, we had two netball coaches on from Tamworth. And I said exactly the same thing. I was like, if uh, and you and I went to the same secondary yeah. school. So if I, I was saying to the girls, oh, if my PE teacher could see me now, that every day of my life is about human movement. They, they kill themselves laughing I don't yeah I don't think they'd believe it to be honest but I think that's just the way it kind of adapts but I think that's a good thing nowadays is there's more information for women about training so it's starting to become a bit more inclusive for women which is a good thing and Instagram where you kind of set yourself mainly kind of in conversation with your online clients and kind of just generally people who follow your account that is a real sole source of information for people looking to get into fitness now. Yeah, definitely. It's great because you can put a lot of free information out there. So even if 
if you're just searching on there there's loads of things you can find without having to sort of invest that money at first and a lot of the time so my own posts will be really researched so what is out there you can actually use and implement in yourself yeah you wrote that post about lectin the other day which is a hormone that controls appetite and I read it and I thought oh yeah that is value right there (laughs) yeah well that's the thing and people don't think about these things I think there's a lot of um especially along fitness and sort of weight loss and anything like that you've so many fad diets I mean we're coming up after you know all the 80s sort of aerobics slash all your calories sorts of things yeah and get rid of all of the fat from your diet in the 90s replace it with artificial sweeteners and sugars and like xanthan gum and stuff like that and it's just I think whatever decade you're in there's going to be diets that are ludicrous and exclude massive food groups from your diet for for kind of like not actually any sort of major result that would be different from just eating a balanced diet and things in moderation and actually understanding how your body works yeah and I think it's that kind of quick fix of weight loss over how you feel um Mm. So it is about just finding the right people and sort of getting the knowledge from there and putting those things into practice and giving time as well and time to learn new things. So little things, so take it step by step. Yeah, and having an appreciation for the schedule that your body operates on, it's not as fast as Amazon Prime. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's not, I mean, you can feel better quite quickly, but for visible sort of changes it's probably going to take a bit longer than eight weeks. And a big part of that is going to be how your hormones work, isn't it? And I know that that's what we're kind of going to delve into a little bit more deeply today. Yeah, definitely. And I think especially for women, um, there's so many changes that go on in our bodies. So like over the month, the course of the month, that it is about knowing that and knowing what works for you. Yeah, because I think, and a lot of kind of exercise science studies are exclusively performed on men. And so a lot of the data that we've got to go on when you're formulating a a training plan for a woman will be male data. And it's completely different. Men have kind of a, a daily cycle of hormones and women have this kind of like, actually, the spectrum is a lot broader that's one of the uh, issues, is, and I think in general, women's health just isn't, hasn't been studied as much. So you're basing it basically off a lot of anecdotal evidence. So um, a lot of the times you'll go off other women's experiences or you can, the studies just aren't ever as big. Yeah, and anecdotal evidence isn't always the place to start because everybody no. is different. It's massively different. So it can be a lot of trial and error, but also kind of getting those information, that information from people you trust and having that support network can be really helpful. And I know that kind of hormonal health and understanding your own body was one of the things that you've had to kind of face as a trainer and as a lady over the last however many years with your PCOS. Yeah, massively. So I was diagnosed with uh, PCOS, so polycystic ovary syndrome, um, I think a four, about four years ago now, before that, so ever since I was about 15, so I was 24 at the time when I got diagnosed, and when I, since I was 15, I was back and forth to the doctors. 
which is kind of one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about it because it just took me so long to get diagnosed with anything. It was mm. dismissed quite easily. And then when I was diagnosed, there wasn't a lot of help about it. So one of my main things is researching into that and um, kind of giving myself a trying to work with women, but also basing it on myself and trying to give myself a bit of a better life in terms of managing symptoms and things yeah absolutely and I know that when you go on to the NHS website and you start looking at polycystic ovary syndrome it's quite simplistic the information on there and in terms of treatment there almost isn't any on the on the page there it's not something that is sort of like well well understood and that like you say it's one of these areas of medicine that hasn't had loads of money ploughed into it but the first thing on the treatment page of that website is lifestyle changes um so I think it's it's probably worth to say what polycystic ovary syndrome is yeah so basically you have so you can have polycystic ovary syndrome or you can have polycystic ovaries so polycystic ovaries is just little cysts on a woman's ovaries and a lot of women have them and they're kind you can get by on it Mm. um polycystic ovary syndrome affects more your fertility side um it can have an effect on your adrenal glands and you have more day-to-day symptoms with that a lot of the research at the moment is basically just based on whether or not you want to have children yeah um which is one of the things I struggled with especially when I was 15 and being told well um if you're you know none of your symptoms will matter until you want children or if you want children it's a big topic to be tackling at the age of 15 but it's also quite dismissive of all of the symptoms that you've gone to the doctor with in the first place and what your quality of life is like in that moment yeah massively so one of my main things is I struggle really badly with fatigue Mm. Uh, I've managed to get that quite in quite good control over recent years probably only just really the past 18 months with a lot of dietary changes and um, sticking up with my exercise regime and stuff. Uh, but that's something that I find really interesting. So I think if you're a woman and you don't really connect with that sort of information, I can imagine it's a lot more difficult as well. Um, and a lot, and very daunting. Uh, there's loads of symptoms that women struggle with with it. And Yeah, there, I mean, there are some really and it will be different in every woman but some of the symptoms of polycystic ovary syndrome and they're all driven by hormones aren't they so it can be really irregular periods because your ovulation is so irregular it can be oily skin or acne it can be excess body hair it can be weight gain and fatigue and from the information I found when I was researching for our conversation today insulin resistance which is another really important hormone for your health um can be a part of PCOS as well and actually that those two things can almost drive one another if you get into a bad cycle of eating high um glucose content food for energy and then you have this kind of imbalance of your hormones it actually ends up meaning that you gain more weight because of this PCOS and then you're driven even into more fatigue yeah definitely so that was something that I have 
struggled with over the years um it's funny actually so the only reason I really knew about my insulin was my one of my friends is type 1 diabetic oh. um a lot of my symptoms in terms of like so if we were one of the cases where we were on holiday and I had eaten a meal and I was all of a sudden really hungry about an hour after now for me I thought that was normal she actually had uh, you know the finger pre-blood tests and we did my blood sugar and it had dropped really low so that's obviously a sign that I am insulin resistant and that that is driving it at the time I wasn't diagnosed with PCOS so we were just thinking oh I've got really low blood sugars that just happens but then as you add these things up and you learn more about it you can kind of put two and two together so that is one of the things now I watch with my diet it's my excess sugar intake and things like that but getting to that point and implementing that has been a years in the process so. yeah and especially when that information isn't readily available for women with PCOS and I think that knowledge is definitely power in that situation isn't it the more you understand about your hormones how they work what different hormones there are and how they interact with each other the more prepared you are to understand what lifestyle changes are going to benefit you most yeah definitely and since sort of sorting my diet out and my lifestyle and my changes like that I've noticed less daily cramps so that was something that I would have as well now I thought that was just a normal part of being a woman especially when I was younger it's not really talked about yeah but yeah, sorting out my insulin levels, sorting out my diet, especially adding in lots of fiber. It's just mm. been a massive game changer for me. Because, um, so this is a problem that we, like I would see with patients who are maybe women who are in their kind of late forties, fifties, and they're in this, the kind of throes of perimenopause and they have wild variations in their hormones. And they don't understand why. And I kind of start talking to them sometimes about their bowel movements. And I think kind of just as a society, we're very squeamish about all of that kind of stuff. And you open that conversation and you're like, oh, well, you know, like how regularly would you go to the toilet? And they're like, well, what, how is this, you know, how is this relevant? But actually going going to the toilet to do a poo is one of the ways that we get rid of used up old like past its cell by date estrogen from our bodies in fact it's the only way we can rid estrogen out of our body after we've used it and if you've got an excess of kind of like old estrogen building up in your system you're gonna have sweats you're gonna feel flustered you're not gonna feel your best and you're gonna have all of these um wacky perimenopause symptoms but there's not an awful lot of women who would link a proper amount of dietary fiber with evacuating their bowels and therefore keeping their hormones in good balance so all of these things are like just kept a mystery to us i'd like to know women who know understand more about how their car works or their boiler works at home than they understand about how their own body works yeah definitely and i think one of the problems is because the main thing that when you go to the doctors is to be given the contraceptive pill yeah it's almost like well if that doesn't make you feel better then nothing else will it's like a one one trick pony isn't it so then you're kind of left in this limbo where it's like well okay I won't you know I won't go back to the doctor I won't see anyone about it until I want to have kids or if you've got kids you might think well it's just something I have to live with and I really don't think it is 
there's so much you can do in within your lifestyle but it's about finding that information and it's such a shame that there's not more of it and it's not more easily digestible yeah but it is out there it's just kind of picking it apart and I think that's why like Instagram pages like mine or you know local fitness professionals where you can really get like little nuggets of information yeah definitely I think it's um knowledge is power and we should all be finding out more about how our bodies work um I don't know whether you wanted to touch on this or not so I'll I'll ask the question and see um but I kind of think that sometimes especially as a young woman when you're approaching a medical professional for help with something like this and they kind of start talking about oh well you know it might be more difficult for you to have children in the future um it kind of infuriates me that that is the value that's placed on women who are seeking medical help okay the lifestyle changes are more nuanced and they maybe take more work and it is obviously a lot more than a 10 minute gp appointment to talk about all of these things but pointing patients in the direction of good resources is paramount it's got to happen hasn't it yeah definitely and i think yeah that is very true it's something that it's not just my experience it's so many women's experience Mm. it's women with lots of different sort of uh female issues and it's just putting us down to that one function of our body instead of our everyday life and what you know our own lives it's this kind of imaginary life almost yeah Um, what could be yeah which is like more important and it's hard it's kind of hard and it's a hard lesson to learn very young as well it puts you off then going to the doctor for other things um so i think it is something that need definitely needs more work on it and need because the resources are out there but you just need to know where to look and that can be a lot especially when you're given a diagnosis of something and it's scary and it's well then it's a super good job that the sort of audience on instagram are the next generation and are these young people so hopefully when they find pages like yours they're going to equip themselves with that knowledge that they need to be better advocates for their own health yeah definitely and it's about building up that confidence and i think now being 27 if i could go back and speak to my 15 year old self and you know tell her to kind of push for herself or do a bit more research in those things or just give her that information um then you know i think hopefully it would mean that we could in the future there'll be more of a talk around these subjects and more around women's health and what we can do and what we can do not just in terms of here's a painkiller but actually how we manage our day-to-day lives and make them better and make them enjoyable really as well so sarah if people want to find you on instagram maybe engage with some online coaching or even face to face where can they find you so my handle is motivation um so that's m-o-o-t-o-o-v-a-t-o-i-o-n um And that's the best place to get all my tips and tricks. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Midlands podcast. Make sure to hit the follow button so that you can be the first to know when the next episode is up. Leave a review or share this podcast with a friend if you found it useful. And for more, come and find us on Instagram at Healthy Midlands.